Amen. God has begun a good work. Praise the Lord. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? How many of you are grateful for all that God has done in your life? Um, I remember being in Bible college and um, being in a prayer meeting with one young student. And I remember him saying, and it just, it just struck me kind of, uh, it rang true, but it was kind of funny the way he said it. He says, you know, God, you've been better to me than I've been to myself. And isn't that true? Hasn't God been better to us than we've been to ourselves? But we serve a good God. Amen. He takes the ashes of our life and he brings forth beauty. Amen. The, uh, the, the spirit of mourning, he gives us joy. And so this morning, I just want to take a few minutes to share my heart uh, regarding the fast. We have a three-day fast that is coming up on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And we are setting this time aside to seek God for his grace, for his wisdom, for his blessing, but most importantly, for the moving and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and through our lives as believers. Amen? So we're setting this time aside uh, to seek, seek the Lord, to pray, uh, to deny one of the greatest desires that we all have. Hello? I it never see, you know, especially in Rhode Island, there's a restaurant in every corner. And it's amazing that they're usually all full. And people love to eat. Don't you all love to eat? Come on, don't, don't, don't look so holy this morning. Some of you are already thinking what you're going to have for lunch and what you're going to have for dinner. And, um, so we always begin the new year, January, with prayer and fasting. We've always done it throughout our whole history as a church. Why? Because we believe that through prayer and fasting, God does the extraordinary. God puts the super in natural. We do our part in the natural, but God adds the super to the natural, and he does the supernatural. And so we begin the new year, and we pray over that year, and we fast over that year that the blessing, the provision, the grace, the direction of God would, would carry on throughout the whole year. And, and I know that there are times when I see an answer to prayer, or I experience something in my life, and I, and I really sense in my spirit that that is in direct correlation to that time of prayer and fasting. Amen? And what God does in our church... You know, this past week, uh, past Wednesday, we had a gathering, a prayer gathering in our youth, a new youth extension. And uh, this past week after that gathering, uh, the walls were painted, doors were put in on the platform. Everything is, well, not everything, almost everything is done. All we have to do is put, have carpet, PO, the screens put up, all of that, and we're ready, uh, or they're ready to have church in it. So what we're going to do is the last Sunday of this month, we are going to dedicate that room for the glory of God and for the furtherance of his kingdom and his work. 
So uh, you're going to see how we're all going to squeeze in there. We'll, we'll fit in there because we've got overflow. And so on the last Sunday of this month, we're going to have our church service in there. Going to have the platform carpeted, going to have the, the, all the instruments and, or as many instruments as we could have in there, all the chairs set up, and it is going to be amazing to see what the Lord has done. Now, I share that in relationship to my message because I believe what God does in this church, what God does through my life and through your life is because we seek him, because we pray. Because the Bible tells us clearly, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Bible says it very clearly in Psalm 126 or 128, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who try to build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. And so we do our part, but God has to do his part. Amen? He really does. Uh, someone once said it this way, that without us, he will not. Without him, we cannot. Let me say that again. Without him, we cannot. But without us, he will not. God does use people. We are his servants. We are fellow workers and fellow laborers in the kingdom of God. And God works through us and blesses the work we do and multiplies it and increases it. Can you say amen? amen. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 17? I'm going to be real quick, I think. If not, I'll blame it on the Holy Ghost. Matthew chapter 17. The Bible tells us in Matthew 17, verse 14. When they had come to the multitude, a man came to him. That was Jesus. They came to Jesus, kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and he suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often falls into the water. So I brought him to your disciples but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Pastor Lisa preached this in Women of Judah. Bring him to me. Bring the boy to me. Bring the situation to me. Bring the problem to me. Bring the need to me, Jesus said. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and he came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. They had a little, small little life group. They had a little gathering away from the multitudes, and the disciples came, and they asked him, why could we not cast him out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Imagine the disciples being with Jesus and learning and growing and maturing, and yet they were still uh, at times struggling with this faith issue. And, and we all do. Amen? Isn't that true? Sometimes we could have such faith to believe God, and that other times we have little or no faith. And so the disciples, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, 
Move from here to there and it will move and nothing shall be impossible for you. Nothing shall be impossible for you. However, there is a however. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So Jesus lays out um, a scenario or uh, a response to a real-life situation that the disciples dealt with, and, and he's teaching, he's instructing them, he's saying, you guys, you know, you're still not getting it, you're still in unbelief. I love how the Lord, you know, he shoots straight with them, but, but he doesn't leave them high and dry. He, he, he ministers to them, and, and God will do the same thing to you and I. God knows our frame, the Bible says. He knows that we are but dust. That's all of us, me, you, all of us, no matter how uh, anointed we can be, no matter how spiritual we are, no matter how gifted, no matter how many things God does in our life, we're still dust, and God knows our frame, and he, and he, and he deals with us as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. So the Lord cares for us, and he cares for his disciples, and he says, listen, you need to learn a lesson here. What you're dealing with is, is so entrenched and so, uh, such a stronghold that you need to add fasting to your prayer. Now, I want to talk to you just about the need of our churches, and I say that plural, not just this church, but churches need revival. That is, the church is coming alive with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Such a way that it impacts the average Christian with a fire and a zeal where they become engaged and enlivened with the mission of Jesus Christ. You see, what, what was Jesus' mission? His mission, he said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Revival is needed in the church while an awakening is needed in our world. I look at them and I differentiate. I, I look at them differently. Revival is God's people getting on fire and becoming alive with a new zeal and a new love for Jesus. I need a new zeal. I need a new love for Jesus. We need revival. An awakening is when the world or the one who is not following Jesus becomes awakened to their need of forgiveness of sins and their salvation in a need of salvation through the eternal, atoning death of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. We need revival in our churches. I've been pastoring for over 33 years now. I've been to two Bible colleges. I've been to a, a seminary. I've been a presbyter uh, for 17 years, sitting on the executive board of the Southern New England District of the Assemblies of God. We, are, we oversee over 500 ministers, over 180 churches. I served, I had in the past served on the board of trustees for Zion Bible College, which is now North Point, for approximately, I forget, maybe 12, 14 years. I've traveled extensively overseas. I have friends in ministry around the nation and many parts of the world. And I say this not, uh, not to impress you, but to explain to you my unique perspective and experience in, mission, in ministry. I have talked with, I have prayed with, I have discussed church growth, revival, and the state of the church with multitudes of pastors and leaders around the nation and around the world. 
What we find is that the average church in America, attendance has gone down 5% in the last few years, and even in a greater degree affected by COVID. The average sized church in America is 65. Most churches in America are under 100, a majority, 70-80%. What we find that growth through conversion has become uncommon. Growth through conversion. What I mean by that is churches growing through people who come to the church who don't know Jesus, who don't go to another church, who come to faith in that church or through the witness of somebody in that church and they are converted to Jesus or they come to faith, they are transformed. That is uncommon. What we see, especially in larger churches, and I'm not being negative against larger churches, but the, the reality is larger churches are growing through transfer growth. What I mean by that is Christians playing musical cheers with church. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not sure what he means. Well, because you're not sure, let me explain it a little further. Christians have come, become seeking after what they can get out of a church instead of what they can contribute to a church. I call that a consumer Christian versus a contributor. And so what is happening is, uh, a pa I heard a pastor say, um, he, he went to, a, in, in Massachusetts, he went to, he was asked to preach at another church, and this church was growing, and the pastor says, they're coming from all over, pastor, I want you to come and preach. And he said, when he stood up to preach, to his dismay, he said, he recognized so many of the people as coming from other churches. You see... What we need is conversion growth. What we need to do is we need to be reaching out and not trying to proselytize other Christians from other churches to come to our church. But we ought to reach out and share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus and invite them to come into relationship with Christ. You see, we need a move of God that is based upon New Testament principles. New Testament principles found in the book of Acts, found in the epistles, found in the gospels, that, that will have the same cause and effect that it had on the early church. Maybe it doesn't look exactly like what it did 2,000 years ago because the different geography, the different time and place and socioeconomics, but, but it should have the same characteristics of the original church. A model of ministry that is driven by the Holy Spirit that reaches out to those who don't know Jesus personally. We need a supernatural power of God. There is no other way we need God to come in power and might and do what only he can do. And I firmly and strongly believe that it happens through prayer and fasting. 
what Jesus was saying in this story. This was a real story. It wasn't a parable. It was a real live uh, situation in his ministry and in the disciples' ministry. And he said, this this kind of deliverance is so, uh, the entrenchment of this spirit, this evil, this sin, this demonic force is so extreme that it could only come out through prayer and fasting. Sometimes deliverance is so needed, but it's so difficult in some situations that we need to add the extra influence and the extra exerting of power to prayer that comes through fasting. You see, prayer and fasting help our faith. Faith needs prayer for the development for its development and full growth. See, let me say it again. Faith needs prayer. Say, faith needs prayer. For its development and growth. What do I mean by that? I mean that in prayer, we get to know God better. See, prayer is not just bringing God all our needs, but prayer is communion, fellowship, getting to know God. So we don't just tell him what we want, we ask him what he wants. Not my will, but thine be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we begin to grow in our relationship as we pray and, and, and our faith grows. Why? Because we, get, we grow in our confidence in who God is, that we have a personal relationship. And we understand Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You know, let me put it this way. In, in, a, in a, a human relationship with a friend, when you spend time with that person, what happens? You grow in your relationship with them. You get to know them better. You get to know their abilities and their capabilities and their willingness. So you have certain friends. I have certain friends. Not all Facebook friends are friends. Oh, I've got 4,000 Facebook friends. Yeah, try to call them up at 11 o'clock at night when you got a flat tire. There's a difference between Facebook friends and real friends. How do you develop real friendships? It's not just liking and commenting. It's spending time with people. And so as we spend time with people, we build a relationship, we build a friendship, there's give, there's take, there's, there's not just take, there's give, there's not just give, there's take, there's both, hello, give and take. And so we get to know somebody, and, and so you have a few friends in your life that when you are in need, you can call them. We're going to have a prayer meeting for those of you that don't have friends, that's going to be Thursday night, just kidding. But isn't that true? And so the same thing with God. The more we pray, the more our faith grows. The more we develop. And see, prayer also needs fasting for its full development and growth. See, as we pray with fasting, see, fasting focuses on the spiritual part of you as you feast on the Lamb of God. As you feast on the Word of God, you are built up in your most holy faith. Christianity, true Christianity, is a life of self-denial, sacrifice, and cross-bearing. Oh, I knew you'd love to hear that this morning. That's something you ought to tweet. 
Christianity, true Christianity, is a life of self-denial, sacrifice, and cross-bearing. Didn't Jesus say that to his disciples? If you want to follow me, he said, I want you to take up your cross. I want you to deny yourself. And I want you to follow me. I don't know about you, but living in America is, with all that we have, is not necessarily conducive to Christianity. What I mean by that is we have so much. We have so much, so many creature comforts. We have so many uh, material things. We have so much at our fingertips. It is unbelievable. And so, as followers of Jesus, fasting is one way, not the only way, it's one way we deny ourselves. Is anybody hearing me this morning? We are denying ourselves one of the greatest natural desires that we all have. Food. Hello? The scriptures tell us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Speaking of prayer, devotion, passion. See, fasting adds an extra weight, a pressure, an influence in prayer. You see, biblical examples of fasting, they teach us that the denial of self loosens us from the natural and we enter into a new environment in prayer, the realm of the spirit. And then we see the power of God where it breaks the devil's strongholds and it strengthens us to win the battles. We are at a place, we are at a, a, a season in our church where God is doing some awesome things. There's so many exciting things. Sometimes I hear the announcements, I look at the Facebook page of the church and I say, wow, there's so much going on. Awesome. It's awesome from the youth to the children's ministry to outreach to a youth extension to missions and all, all these things we're doing. But again, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of God these things happen. And we need to begin to pray and we need to begin to believe God. We need to consecrate ourselves. Every single one of you can do something. Every single one of you should do something. It's funny how, how tricky and sneaky human nature can be. We could all duck and jive and, 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 and try to get away from this. You could all look so spiritual. You could all be saying amen and smiling and on the inside you're, you're standing up. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Oh, I, I need to eat. Well, if it's a medical condition, that's a different story. But I think we could all, we could all say no to the flesh. We could all say no to something. Turn to the person next to you and say no. So, so we, we do this at the beginning of a new year, January. We're doing it in September, which in church, the church world... In church ministry, there's an understanding that September is like the new year for the church calendar. Why is that? Because what happens is people come back from vacation. They come back from, you know, 
traveling here and going there. And, 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 and then in September, kids go back to school. So families and individuals kind of get back into a little bit of a routine and, and, and get, get plugged in again. So September is like the new year where we introduce another series or another life group study and, and, and other ministry opportunities. And this is a way for the church to get reconnected. But again, we believe that a season and a time of prayer and fasting will help make a difference. Jesus said, this kind does not come out except, except by prayer and fasting. I have seen areas in my life that were resistant, that were a struggle, that were a battle, that didn't yield to anything until there was prayer with fasting. I have seen in the life of our church the miracles, the provisions, the blessings of God that I give glory to God to and the leadership of this church knows and understands that it's related to the seasons of seeking God with fasting. Something powerful is released. You might have an area of your life where maybe there's a sin, maybe there's an addiction, maybe there's a habit if you would consecrate yourself to prayer and fasting, God can break the stronghold of that sin in your life. Maybe there is a, 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 a laziness or a, or a lethargical spirit. Maybe, maybe you lost your spiritual edge. Prayer and fasting can sharpen that edge once again. Tuesday night, we'll gather at 6 o'clock. Wednesday night, the regular time, 7 o'clock. Thursday night, 6 o'clock, with the emphasis on seeking God in prayer. We will have some music, we'll have prayer, we'll have individual prayer, we'll have corporate prayer, but we'll sanctify this time to seek God. Let me tell you, I am doing it as your pastor, and there are leaders in this church, and that's what we do. We lead by example. We don't just say it. But we, 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 we firmly believe it and we, we understand and we know. Fasting is a spiritual habit, a discipline that is evident throughout the scriptures, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus began his ministry, and I want to close with this. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. I want to show you something that I believe is powerful. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says that, then, Je then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So here is Jesus. He's baptized by John the Baptist. When he comes up from the water, the heavens are open. A dove descends upon him. A voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, hear him. Jesus, at that point, is filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Amen. Jesus then goes into the wilderness, and for, three, for 40 days, he, he's fasting, he's praying, and he's also tempted by the devil. We have the three occur, occurrences in, in this passage and each time, how does, how does Jesus um, defeat and resist the devil? 
through the word, right? He says to Satan, it is written. And again, that shows you the importance of even reading the word and meditating on the word, not only during prayer and fasting, but every day. Always meditating on the word, reading the word, so that when a temptation comes, when a struggle comes, when a fear comes, when fear tries to come into my mind and into my heart, I say, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. How many of you need a sound mind? Amen. How many of you attacked in your mind? Amen. I, I think most of us, all of us, from the youngest to the oldest, there is a, a battle going on in our minds, and we need to tell the devil, listen, in the name of Jesus, I will not receive what you have, but I'll receive what God has for me. What does God have for me? He's got love, he's got power, and he's got a sound mind. So each time Satan comes against Jesus, Jesus says, it is written. And he had an authority in the word of God. And see, I want to I I tell you something. You know, Jesus said if you had faith as a mustard seed. What is, it? what is a mustard seed? It's very small, but, it, but it's something that grows into something bigger and something greater. So what was Jesus saying? You know, if you have the seed, it will grow. All you need is a little bit. And, and, and see, what we have to, sometimes we focus too much on ourselves. We have to focus on God. See, our, the, our, what's the most important thing about our faith is the object. Right? The more you know God, the stronger your faith is because you know what God can do. You know who he is. You know the power. You know the authority he has. And so don't look at your faith or look at yourself. Look at your God. Now, I want to I show you something. Now, I'm going to stand under these speakers. These speakers, I think they weigh about a couple hundred pounds each. Now, that's heavy. Now, you know, if those speakers fell, that would be a headache. But now, listen, it's not because my faith is so great that I can stand under them. Now, if Pastor Mike and myself rigged these things, got a couple of wires and put them up, I don't know if I'd stand under them. But you know who put these speakers up? There's actually an engineer, someone who knows the weight capacity and, and what kind of structure, what kind of bars and, and chains are needed. So listen, my faith is not that great, but the object, I know, I have confidence that I can stand under these speakers and be safe because of the object of my faith, because I trust in the engineers that they have the proper degree, they know the, pop, popular, uh, the, the proper dimensions and the formula for the safety of those speakers. Those are heavy speakers. They'd crush you. But my faith is strong because of the object of my faith. This morning, the object of our faith is a God who's faithful, is a God who's proved himself. Hasn't he answered prayer? Hasn't he made a way before? Isn't he a God who can do it again and again and again and again? In, in, in this season of my life, you know, my wife and I, um, 33 years, but I want to I grow in my faith. I, I want to see greater things yet. Amen? I don't care how old you are, how young you are. We're all needed in the kingdom of God. We all need each other. The young need the old. The old need the young. 
Amen. We all need each other in the kingdom of God. We're one of another. And all of us coming together, praying. When I see the older folks praying, that, that inspires me and blesses me when I see them putting their arms around a younger person because what are they doing? They're, they're speaking life. They're being an example. They're saying, listen, I've been in this faith for 40 years, for 50 years, and God is faithful. God is true. I've had my trials. I have my setbacks. But you know what? God made a way. A younger generation needs to know that. And so my challenge is that we as the people of God would, would do something. Maybe it's a partial. Maybe it's an absolute fast. Partial fast is liquid and juice and maybe broth. Uh, a, a partial fast can be abstaining from certain fru- foods like a Daniel fast. Or maybe you do a total fast where you just drink water for three days. There are in examples in the scriptures, corporate fast, where all the people got together, individual fast, Daniel, uh, Cornelius, uh, Anna the prophetess in the book of Luke, but, but they're all different ones. We're doing a corporate fast. All of us come together with a humble heart saying, God, we need you. We need you. I need you, God. Praying, reading the word with the right motives, with the right heart. We all come together. And we believe God because there are certain things that will not just yield to prayer itself. I believe we need prayer and fasting. Would you stand together with me this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Can you just begin to just just close your eyes for a moment? Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would touch the hearts of your people, God. God, I lead them as your under-shepherd, as the shepherd of this flock, trying to lead them into greener pastures and lead them as you would have me. God, I know it's your heart that your people would seek you in a greater way in this world. God, we need a revival, not just a couple of days, not just a few meetings, but God, we need a mighty move of the Spirit in our churches that we don't just exchange members, but we win souls, where we impact our communities, God, where things begin to change, Lord. God, I can think of nothing better, nothing greater as I have read church history, as I've read Bible history of how you responded to your people when they prayed and fasted. God, you added, you added, uh, you brought a revival to Nineveh when, when there was such an evil nation. God, when the king all the way down to, the, to the, everyone in the kingdom fasted and prayed, God, you spared that nation judgment. God, we believe you can spare this nation judgment if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves God we believe that one way we humble ourselves is through fasting for David said in Psalm 35 I humble myself with fasting Lord God I pray we would humble ourselves and pray seek your face turn from our wicked way God let this fast break off a spirit off of this church, any evil spirits that are trying to hinder the work of God, the kingdom of God from growing. And God, if there are any things that are attached to our life, any 
any curses from our past, any, anything through our spiritual DNA, anything that is of the enemy, let it be broken off during this fast, God. Lord, even now we, can, we consecrate ourselves as a church. God, touch every heart, stir every heart, we pray that this time would be a, an honor and a praise and, and a glory to your name, that you'll be pleased with your people, God. God, I pray a blessing over this church as we prayed for the children and the youth. God, we ask that you bring revival to our children, bring revival to our youth. Let there be such a move of God that would radically change the landscape of our life and our community. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. If you received the word of God this morning, say a great big amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you. You are at liberty to go. We will see you Tuesday night in the house of God. Amen.